Welcome to the Freedom Podcast, and we're going to be covering how to raise godly kids. Now, this is a two-parter, so we kind of break it off halfway through, and we're going to come back next week and bring the second episode to you and finish it off. Hello, and welcome back to the Freedom Podcast. We're here again with Pastor G. How are you doing, G? Come on, Josh. We're back again. We're back again for another episode. And guys, I hope this has been helpful to you around the world. I've seen a few people sharing about it and sometimes just sending me a message or anything like that. But um, but if you can help us get the word out there and and uh, and spread the word on it, it would be, be super appreciated. We just started recording it for YouTube as well. So now we're not only on audio, G, we are also on video. And wow. this first one went out. Uh, last the last episode that we did uh, for YouTube and it's we recorded it on Tuesday morning and it's the day that we also have CP hangout first thing in the morning at 6 a.m so I set my alarm about 20 to 6 and that leaves me enough time to try and wake up but I am famously unawake <laughs> for a CP hangout but enough time to wake up get a cup of tea and then get ready for our six o'clock start for CP Hang. But as you can imagine, it's quite a dash to get to the meeting, get ready. And then I had the podcast virtually straight after. So I get in, I set up my equipment, we sit down for the podcast. Uh, and then I had a message earlier this week that said, are you happy that your bed's in the background? And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone's used to seeing that. I mean, it's COVID, isn't it? And uh, people have had to have that remembering from people seeing recording stuff in bedrooms not really a big deal i'm not really bothered didn't think twice about it so i thought you know not bothered so then anyway they uploaded it and then i saw on youtube when i had a look at the video that my bed was and you can go and check this out my bed was still unmade from that early morning wake-up call and i told rose my wife and she was horrified that is her worst nightmare i know broadcast it to the world an unmade bed so here today if you're watching look i've got i've got ready with a nice made bed today i love i love the way you've arranged those pillows as well josh i did i did a little pillow arrangement <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep the wife just happy. the way rose would have done it i'm sure yeah exactly i poofed them um anyway that is by the by so we're on youtube now you can get us on um all the different podcast uh feeds available whether that's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. you can get us on spotify but this has been a great way i feel to be able to just bring some different kinds of conversations that we're not able to have on a sunday and bring them to people in the other kind of spans of their life, you know, whether you're going for a walk or in the car or doing the washing up or something like that. So I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope it's been an encouragement. I hope it's maybe challenged you, made you even uh, understand a little bit more of our hearts as well as leaders. Yeah. Um, but we're going to jump into another subject today, which is all about raising godly kids. So that's what we're going to cover today. And, uh, and gee, Gee, this is uh, something, you know, you've got five sons, I being the one, one of them. And I thought it'd just be great to hear some of your thoughts on what we as parents can be doing. Because I've got four kids of my own. I've got uh, three three boys and my daughter, uh, Cleo, and the boys, Jude, Nathan, and Jesse. 
And I think that there's something around just continuing that conversation, continuing to pursue what it means to have godly kids, because I think that we can do a huge amount of assuming um, that our kids are going to get there. And I remember this a few years ago, um, that we've got such great kids provision and freedom church and thinking that I, I had this revelation, this realization that I was leaning on the church and our kids teams to be discipling my children. And I realized that I'm not taking enough personal responsibility that they have got hours and hours with me a day with their mum and dad, but they've only got a short little snippet with our kids team on a Sunday. And some of that's going to be snack maybe, or having some games, some fun, maybe a craft activity, and then some time reading the Bible, learning about prayer. And if I'm relying on that as a parent, that that 15, 20 minutes a week is going to be enough to help steward them in their relationships with God, I'm not doing enough. I've got to take personal responsibility. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. I think when we started off, obviously you were the uh, you were two years old when we first started planting church. Luke was, I think, about ten days old, and we were there with what about eight people, I guess. And uh, I remember when I got up to preach, half half of those eight went out because we had little babies. <laughs> <laughs> and basically you grew up, you know, in a church where we didn't really have kids provision for perhaps the first few years. We didn't have a great youth. You know, we had to almost pioneer as we went. And I think there's probably something that impacted me at the start, part of pioneering when you haven't got a great kids, you know, you haven't got a kids resource at all. Um, and you are the kids resource. Yeah. It, it challenges you as parents, as Christian parents, to say, what are we actually doing to raise these little men up with the knowledge of knowing God in a Christian home, Christian family? What are we doing? Yeah. And I think me and H, you know, your mum, uh, that was such a big thing for us to take responsibility. And that's why I think you're talking about, Josh, is when, in a way, when we're part of a bigger church, it is amazing how we can lean on that even more. Definitely. And we just think, oh, well, that's taken care of. And we got a great provision. In fact, many people go to, they choose a certain church because their kids like going to the kids' provision. And yet it doesn't matter how good that church is. You know, as mentioned already, if you've got 45 minutes, an hour of input from the best kids' pastors in the world, it's not going to be enough really um your i think as parents what we took the responsibility of is we need to be their pastors we we need it it stops with us not the youth group not the kids resource you know it's got to be us as parents taking the responsibility of raising godly kids it starts with us as parents and that way i think you know the other things that come the the other great sort of inputs we have through church, they're like a bonus, but they shouldn't be the foundation. The foundation should be within our families. Absolutely. And I think that even for us recently, we saw little Nathan get baptized. We talked about this the other week. Yeah. My te- um, oh, he's yeah, about powerful. to turn 11 years old. And I was thinking about the family legacy and about how your grandfather 
which would be Nathan's great great granddad, uh, which would have been yeah. Reg. He got baptized. Reg, and then his uh, f- his son or your father, Bob. He also yep. got baptized. Then obviously you as his grandfather got baptized. Then yep. me, I got baptized. And then it's the next generation. I thought wow. well, that is quite something, isn't it? That's that powerful, he's the yeah. first one in the next. And it's such a precious thing. It's so important for our faith to be passed on. But are we treating that with enough thoughtfulness, enough prayer and enough? And I think you just said this, G, just responsibility. We've got to take responsibility for the discipleship of our family. And I know that you have spoken to us as pastors that before pastoring churches, our first job is to pastor our families. And if we're yeah. neglecting, if you're going out and discipling, you know, some person from church and getting alongside them, helping them read the Bible and, you know, seeing some breakthrough in their lives, but you're not doing that with your own children, something's gone wrong. Yeah. And it, it saddens me actually when I hear about a lot of pastors whose kids perhaps aren't walking, you know, with the Lord well. Perhaps they, you know, they still have some f- level of faith, but aren't interested. It's like don't don't show me the church. I'm not interested because of what I've seen. And I think it's so sad because ultimately that responsibility it comes down to us. And for me, I was very aware really of as I had. You know, you five boys growing around as pioneering church through the, the the bad and the good, and there was a lot more bad than good. Is that we had to, to a degree, um, manage that and navigate it and make sure that we protected you in it as you grew, because uh, I wanted you to see that being part of the kingdom, being part of the local church was one of the greatest, most exciting adventures you could be a part of, but you have to be intentional with that. So, and and it really comes out of, I think, our relationship with who Jesus is, relationship with our father. So for me and mum, H, uh, <laughs> I think there was always something about this being our faith rather than yeah. our position as pastors. It wasn't really ever about our position as pastors and this is our... Because that can come and go. That can be difficult. But our relationship with our, you know, with our Lord and Savior, I think that is the thing that we try to communicate to you as boys from a very young age, that it was natural, that it was real, that it was something that you can't live without. It's something you're going to want when you get to that age. And and I think we we did our best to expose you to that. Yeah. So that when you came to the right age, you could choose for yourselves. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm and i reminded often, G, and we've talked about this as obviously a leadership team, about our job as a church is to help hold our children, hold our young people until they receive the revelation of God. And uh, yeah. this is referencing this verse here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. You can tell I've been living in America now because I say first instead of 1 Samuel. Uh, but we say, um, so it says here that Samuel as the young boy is already serving and taking part in, uh, the, the temple and just making things happen. He is in the service of the Lord, but it says in verse seven, now Samuel did not know yet know the, the Lord, the word of the Lord 
had not yet been revealed to him. So he's there at yeah. church, if you like. He's even involved. He's he's doing things, but he's not yet had that revelation of the word of God for himself and knows God in that way. And I, I know, G, that you had your own revelation of God where you were going to church and uh, you were involved, you were even serving, and yet there was this moment where everything turned and changed where you got a revelation of who God is. And this is what happens in this story. And that our job as families, as parents, as churches is to hold our children. And what I mean by that is make church a great place to be, get them involved, um, connect them to friends at church, make it a priority for them in their lives that they are there long enough so that they get their own personal revelation. Yeah, it, it really is bringing up your children in a way that they won't depart. And I think from that is really this thing of like leading, guiding them, giving them the opportunity. So you're setting in place almost the culture ready for that revelation. And if they're, if you get to a stage where they're in their young teenage years and they don't want to be in church, and let's, let's face it, parents, there will be many uh tough times where you're going to have arguments with your teenagers who just are saying i don't want to come i don't want to be part of it um i don't believe and sometimes we can actually just think the easier option is do you know what they they want to play football because they're part of the football team and they're playing on a sunday morning and you know that's you know let we don't want to force them. And I, I've noticed that there's sometimes a fear amongst parents that if we force our children to do something that they don't want to do by coming to church, it might put them off forever. And and with that happening, I've seen parents who have taken a back step and said, let's, let's almost compromise here with bringing them into a setting where we lead them into church and say, this is a non-negotiable and we let them sort of go off for the next two, three years into sort of, you know, a sport type, you know, situation on a Sunday instead of being in God's house. And you know what? So many people have paid a high price for that, where their kids don't come back into church, where they lose that interest because we're, you're not really stewarding that um, that sort of culture well for them to hear uh, God's word or anything like that. And and what takes place is they drift and they, they go away. And so I, I just want to encourage even parents now, one of the things that uh, we decided was that Sundays was non-negotiable right. for all of our five boys. And I remember with you, so Josh, grateful. you were the first one that kicked against that because you're going to be in the rugby. You loved the rugby. You were good at it. And, and there was almost like this promotion and then I had to say, no, that's not going to be an option. And and it doesn't go down well at first. But I, I just want to encourage parents to look at the long-term vision and plan. You know, that sport that lasted for a short period in your life, it was a short-term thing. But if we'd have compromised in it just to sort of keep on the right side of you, keep on the right side of our children in in the fear that you might feel forced 
it, I tell you, we would have paid an eternal price for that. Absolutely. And, uh, I can't remember that conversation. I don't remember really wow. Um, wow. having much resistance. And it's funny how it might have been at the time a difficult thing as a parent to stand up for it. But in the long term, it's uh, it's forgotten. And it's like you've got yeah. to – as parents, I think that it's one of those things, again, we don't need – friends to just let us do whatever we want we need parents we need people who are gonna gonna lead their children that's that's being a godly parent not just appeasing and doing our whatever whatever little makes little johnny happy it's like we actually need to do what's right for them in the long term it's like what's right oh they didn't get that opportunity or they didn't get to do that with their friends or their spiritual well-being for their entire life when you yeah. start actually seeing it in its real terms, there's no competition. It's just not, it's not even a negotiable. And there's something about yeah. it. we've got to come as parents and lead through that, not just be led by our children's emotions and feelings. Yeah. And and one of the things we said to you at the time was we're not we're not forcing you to worship. So we're not going to like make you worship in a certain way. We're not forcing you to do that. But as a family. We will, you know, on Sundays, we're going to go to God's house and we're going to go and do that together. That was a non-negotiable. And I don't know if you remember, but in the house, uh, you know, mum, hey, she she had uh, got painted on the wall, that, that verse, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it was something we put in in our lounge. You know, so when people came along, they'd see it. But it was a statement as well to you boys. is like, we're going to serve the Lord. About. And, yep. you know, that's what we're going to create this culture. Uh, we're going to do this together. And, you know, there'll come a time when you leave home. And in a way, you'll make your own decisions. But as long as you're in our home... And some people will even say this up to whether it's 18 years old. Well, we're going to go to God's house. But after that, you can make your own mind up. We decided that as long as you were as our children in our home, we would go and worship together. And I remember also Luke, you know, Luke is the, uh, the, the second eldest. And we, yeah, we went through a journey with Luke. And some of you will know the the battles and the struggles that we went through where Luke in his teenage years got involved, you know, in um, the wrong crowd, got involved in um, stuff that we didn't know was going on, which resulted in him being arrested and uh, just some terrible stuff that went on. And then we saw him return. But, but even now he'll say, that he, although he was in a really bad place, every Sunday he turned up for church. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he, it was, it, there was something in him that even though he was far from God, he turned up for church on a Sunday and he was yeah. there. And, and even when he was 19, he was still coming in to church because there was just something. That's my hope. There was just something that, that was ingrained to say, I need to be in God's house no matter where I am. And then we saw God bring again that revelation where he got a revelation of his future, a revelation of those decisions. And it was from being in God's house. And I think it's such a huge thing for parents. Uh, You know, church wasn't always easy, wasn't always exciting for you as young people. You know, I look back and it was in those early days, it was so cringy. It was so difficult. And, and yet, 
we just said, we're going to trust in being in the atmosphere of God's yeah. house. And there was some great moments in it, G, you know, I, and there was, I can also remember some, uh, some bad moments and <laughs> we could do, we need to do a whole episode <laughs> on just those moments because oh, we could have some yes. fun, uh, and probably it's die laughing. Raised from my yeah, memory, Josh. sure. Um, I wish it was a race from mine. <laughs> um but we also had some brilliant times as well and uh and one of the things i always say to people is that you were always a great preacher so it doesn't matter how the format was or um you know what else the environment was like you your engages your messages were so engaging uh relevant Mm -hmm. brilliant teaching and i think that that helped carry us carry us through you know i can still remember some of the sermon illustrations that used to do it's it was so fun Amazing, Josh. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, you're brilliant. Um, anyway, I I think that for for us, in, even in, in this thing of holding our young people, having some non-compromising standards on your household is this is what we do, I think is very important. I think that an attitude is the other one, G, and I was just going to ask you about that because I think that you – you have seen obviously so many teenagers come into our church, grow up in our church, leave our church through the years, and some get an attitude. I mean, we all know, you know, there can be that thing where teenagers are getting moods and hormones and and feeling that almost uh, desire to rebel, perhaps against parents and against um, authority sometimes. And I think that for you g what what would be your thoughts on where we as parents when there's okay they're still coming they're engaging but there's clearly attitude there you know you just talked about it with uh with luke you talked i know that for me i did not always have a perfect attitude coming in on a sunday and it almost it changes and alters a bit as that teenager goes from being young teenager to being older any thoughts or advice on, on around where you challenge that and how much to how much to uh, to speak in and input for, in those moments? I think we can sometimes make a lot of excuses uh, and blame it on, as you said, oh, hormones is what they're going through. It's the it's what teenagers do. It's the way that they are, and. Regardless of where you boys were in your walk, we we expected and we tried to, you know, do our best to train you to be honoring in the way that you were. And for each of you, one of the great things that we did, we exposed you to people, working with people, serving. You know, I remember you used to do the acetate, the overhead projector, yeah. and you you know, that was your way of serving. So it was taking ownership that from, from age a, 11. a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, age eleven of saying you're in charge of this. And we we did that, but we also expected a good attitude with it. We expected, you know, you turn up early to do it. And I think we started young with that. We didn't we didn't really look at the, oh, well, he's a teenage, a teenager. And so he's got the, that's why he's got a bad attitude. I think, no, that, that's the reason why we need to train a good attitude. And, and it is, it takes a lot of energy, uh, especially when you're trying to lead and do stuff because you've got to correct it and you could say, hey, the way you were at church today, that's not acceptable. So there would be elements of confrontation. 
there would be, you know, if if we're going to, we expect you to be able to talk to people. And I'm really glad that all five of you are very good at speaking to people. You know, you, whereas sometimes today there is this, if we don't crack that as young teenagers, you know, about greeting people, just greet someone. Just, you know, and if you, I don't know if you're going to leave a room, you know, again, maybe you're going to say goodbye to them. It's like those simple things yeah. that sometimes you see are lacking today mm. because there's all these excuses around, you know, while well, they're just teenagers. No, they're, they're young men and young women that are growing up that we as parents have a responsibility to teach around honor. It doesn't suddenly start when they're, is it, oh, now they're 18, really they're suddenly G. mature. No, they're still growing yeah. through this. It starts very young and just just bringing them up on that, just just expecting them to come into a room uh, because you've got perhaps friends around for the evening, you've got guests around, and how they greet people. You know, it's like, how are they going to learn that? How are they going to learn to walk into a room and make connections? Because in life, if you can really train your kids to have a confidence in just being able to speak to people who are adults or even older people. It's a fantastic thing to see young people uh, have conversations with older people. Well, that starts when they're young. But if you if you try and help them with their confidence and you don't make excuses for them, but you bring opportunity for them and you encourage them in it, it becomes the normal. And in having the the five boys once you start it if you've got a bigger family once you start it with the first one or two it's amazing how the others will copy and and that's uh you know in a lot of ways if you have a bad attitude the others will copy if you set a great attitude expectation the others will copy and 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 that's where it really works well but that was an important thing around attitude is yeah we have the challenges through sort of that adolescence and things, but we didn't use that as an excuse around good attitude around people, around attitude to serving, attitude to, you know, just being involved in things. And when we saw that wasn't done well, there'd be a conversation about it. So there was like this confrontation because you're training and it takes a while to get that. But once it starts working, you see the fruits of it. Definitely. And gee, again, I don't remember any of those conversations that were, oh, you didn't do, you know, you didn't go and talk to so-and-so. It would have been very, I think, alongside and just say, hey, go and cross the room there or go and say hello there yes. or, you know, or make sure you're just like mixing and saying hello to people, whatever it might be. But what I do remember is people remarking to me like, I can't, you know, I can't believe the way that you went and spoke to my son today, uh, who might have been a young, younger kid than me. Yes. But I was maybe crossing the room and making the effort, taking responsibility for that kid as a 15, 16 year old. And I remember them saying to me, like, because for me, it was very natural and the part of who you'd, you and mum had shaped us to be. But it was, um, but it, for, for other people coming in, it really impacted them by the way that. I, as a teenager, was crossing the room for other other kids and helping them feel welcome. Yes, and I think that um, I think that again, that's what's the lasting impact of that is from me. So again, it, don't be discouraged by having a conversation that challenges your young teen. 
uh, to, to come and almost change and make more effort in that area. Because what will last with them is the confidence that they will take into their school, their college, their workplace, their marriage for the years and years to come. That will be the lasting thing rather than, oh, mum made me feel a bit uncomfortable because she said, go and talk to so-and-so in the cafe. It's like, that's not going to be the thing that stays with them. It's going to be the confidence that they obtain from that. So it's so important to do. So that was part one of how to raise godly kids. We've got more goodness and wisdom hopefully for you for next week and we'll be back with part two. 